1: Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another bald move prestige film. We're doing an animated movie today. Pixar Disney's 2009 Up it was directed by Pete Docter, who also directed Monsters, Inc., Inside Out and Soul. Screenplay written by Bob Peterson, who is also a credited writer on Finding Nemo. Uh, as well as Pete Doctor uh, doing dual directing writing du- duties. He's a very talented Pixar writer who came up with the original story for Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., WALL-E, Inside Out, and Soul. It stars Ed Asner, famous curmudgeon, got a start on the Mary Tyler Moore show. He's played Santa Claus on Elf, passed away last year at the ripe old age of 91. My favorite Ed Asner is his appearance on the X-Files as a Christmas ghost. Haunting Muller and Scully with his wife. (laughs) Very delightful. Uh, Christopher Plummer, we know him as the uh, uh, guy from the uh, girl, the guy from the girl with the dragon tattoo and Knives Out, and Jordan, Mm -hmm. the guy who kind of did this in a Simpsons episode and then pieced out of the industry and is a student. Well, we'll see if he does voice work in the future. Also stars the vocal talents of the screenplay writer Bob Peterson. He is Doug the dog. Uh, also stars Delroy Lindo as Beta, the uh, second most menacing dog in the dog pack. You know you've heard seen uh, Del Rindo, Del Rindo Delroy Lindo lately in the Five Bloods and the Harder They Fall, and of course Pixar's Lucky Charm John Ratzenberger. He's Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Uh, And he I don't know if that this the his streak is still alive, but up through like, I think 2015, he was in every Pixar movie as some kind of cameo role. He got to start Hmm. as uh, the pig piggy bank, Mr. Pig in the Toy Story. Sure. Uh, This is interesting because most of the Pixar films, in fact, I, I guess I say all the Pixar films I've enjoyed as an adult person. Some of them I've had my son with me this one. Almost certainly not. Uh, 2009. I guess he was three years old. I might've brought him to this. Um, But boy, this film packs an adult sized wallop. Uh, If you've never seen this film, uh, you are probably not prepared for the first 12 minutes. And I don't mean that in like a (laughs) bad way. I mean that in like, you're going to go through a goddamn experience and Uh it's going to set you up for the rest of this movie. And I think it's a delight. I think this movie is wonderful. Oh, yeah. uh, have you seen this movie before, Jim? And if not, what did you think of it? Yeah,
0: I've seen it once before, uh, and I loved it the first time I saw it. I loved it this time. I think it's amazing how much uh, both fun and comedy and entertainment they pack into this hour and a half experience alongside the just truly powerful emotional stuff. We t- we talked about this um in the green mile recently, how powerful of an emotional film that is. And this packs a very, a nearly similar punch, uh, as far as like how hard it hits you. Um, and, and this entire time I'm thinking as we're, as we're going into this movie, can an animated movie be a prestige film? And I think this is one of the examples that says, yes, absolutely. It can, the, the animation, whether it's uh, 2d or 3d is not just for kids. Yeah, I think it's interesting to me that Roger Ebert gave this like a four star review. This was a perfect movie to him. And he did not seem to have the same issues with this type of storytelling that he did with video games, even though they (laughs) present very similarly in a lot of ways. Hmm. It's just, you know, they're fundamentally different things. I get it. Um But yeah, I I was super impressed with this. I definitely think it is a prestige movie. It has something for everybody in it. The kids can enjoy Doug the dog and Russell the kid and relate to the older people as like people in their lives. Um, And then the adults come in and look at where Carl is um, in his life. And a lot of people have had similar experiences, you know, losing people that they're close to uh, and how it affected them how it can change you as a person and how to kind of grow and move beyond that and still live a life.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's the rare film where you have elderly people as the primary protagonist and antagonists. Um, sure. You sure. have a kid that's not the precocious kid type. So he can kind of keep up the, uh, the adults. He's just a kid, you know, he does dumb shit. Mm-hmm. He's, he is uh, fairly sturdy, brave and courageous, but uh, you know, he's got some, some darkness going on in his storyline and just the um, I don't know the emotional arc of this movie and what it says about love and loss and dreams and pursuing them and at, at what cost and um, what you lose yeah. along the way, um, I think is definitely prestigious. This movie, uh, it's funny because I wrote in my notes like How Studio Ghibli. Uh, This is like, you know, this is it's like, you know, Howl's moving castle. You got Carl's floating house, you know, Uh Uh, the bright colors, the weirdness of the characters and the locations with the mundaneness of like the protagonist and whatnot. Um, And I was gratified in the first paragraph of Roger Ebert's review when I read it. He immediately drew the exact same comparisons Mm, um, because it is this like high. What I guess you call grounded high fantasy
0: yeah it's definitely a fantasy like none of the events in this movie could actually happen ever but
1: yes the, I would the say
0: emotional themes and, and then th- mm-hmm. the subject matter is definitely grounded
1: yeah the characters feel realer despite the situations that, that they find themselves in the spectacular uh-huh. situations and it is a fantasy because like you know like there's a uh, there is a short film that's called the rise and fall of, of uh, uh, what is it it's, it's, it's a Carl yeah. yeah, the ri- the rise and fall of Carl. I forget his last name, Fredrickson, Erickson, um uh-huh. That's that's last twenty minutes, and it ends with him in a nursing home. And you know, there is another option where he worked all night on a set of balloons and helium tanks, and this movie happens, <laughs> and it's the better movie. Oh, but yeah. uh, I, I I remember because the first time I saw this. I was in a different phase of my life. I was, uh, you know, had a as a father of three. I'd just gone through a divorce. I had lost a lot of friends and family in that process. And you know, the idea uh, it was it was really was a fresh wound. The idea of like not growing old together with someone, and you know, your your dreams up to a certain point in life being given up. And I was wondering when we I saw this on our schedule, I was like, I wonder if it's going to hit as hard in my mid 40s and holy fuck and if anything the older I get the more this movie resonates <laughs> yeah totally and I saw that it's... I also I, this is like you know I, I had like every kid movie that came out between like 2006 and 2016 I have on blu-ray because it's the law mm-hmm. um, and this is no exception so I must have seen this movie 10 times you know in 2000 like 2009 to 2010 uh, but I haven't watched nice. it a lot since then and uh, yeah, I it, it's it's I, I it, it just killed me like that. That for the opening 12 minutes killed me. <laughs> yeah. um, the kid, when he started telling a story about his dad, that killed me. Uh, you know, Doug's re- Honestly, I was just a, I was just a fucking wreck for this recording. Uh, the, the rejection of Doug killed me. The triumphant in <laughs> the end killed me. The sitting uh. at the curb of the end killed me. I was just like I was just a fucking blubbering mess on my couch this morning the entire time. It it yeah Damn. it's uh it's a five megaton emotional package in a brightly colored kids film. What can you say?
0: Of, it kind of takes you by surprise, I think, at the very beginning because they start off so cute. And so yeah. fun and that's what contributes to you know the the heartbreak in that first twelve minutes. By the time you get to the end of that sequence, it's gone to places you did not expect, um, or certainly I didn't expect uh, a Pixar film to go in the the opening sequence.
1: Yeah, the opening sequence is so like Goonies slash Sandlot, and uh-huh. then the movie just hits the hyperdrive, and then mm-hmm. suddenly you arrive at <laughs> Grumpy Old Men. Literally,
0: though, there's like a montage of their entire lives for like a minute and then you're suddenly like wait wh- what just happened shit they were going on a picnic <laughs> you almost can't believe what you're seeing at the end of that sequence
1: yeah, yeah, I uh, and that, that's the thing. It's like I, and I, I read a lot about um, the many, many changes this movie came from, from exception to the, from the inception of it to its, its writing, its production. Mm-hmm. And they kept on. They arrived really quickly that like they need this intro to work because if you if it doesn't, it's not going to work nearly as well. You like you have to carry the characters. And also, I think it does a good job at making because Carl is a kind of curmudgeonly guy and He's a grumpy old man, and he's a bit of an asshole. But I would never—I mm-hmm. don't think you could get through those first twelve minutes and be like, "Oh, this fucking old guy," no. you know. Like he's gotta got like ultimate moral license to be just kind of, uh, you know, un, you know, to be dissatisfied and angry about and and sad about how life has turned out for him. Um, yeah, and they do a great job too of just showing, you know, how how he
0: had so many dreams for what his life would be and, and it's not just that he disappointed this person that he loves because he broke a promise and i think unintentionally broke a promise to her um, sure it, it's more about like well i had this dream too you know we had this dream together and yeah. we never accomplished it and and look at how the world has changed like is this dream even possible anymore i'm mm-hmm. old i mean i i wake up out of bed and i have to crack every bone in my body just to get started in the day uh uh-huh. i don't think i could go up a hill it, it might kill me like it did right. uh, my wife it's like ellie yeah yeah it's it's about a lot more than just disappointing a loved one it's about life and and how it gets away from you and things happen and if you just kind of sit there and say well oh i'm angry about that then the rest of your life is going to be just as miserable. You're going to miss out on the rest of it too.
1: Yeah. And when you get to the resolution to Ellie's dream arc late in the film, that also packed a wallop where it's like, you know, if you could, you could go visit heaven or whatever and, and ask Ellie, you know, was she disappointed at the adventure that she went on in life, you know? And so Carl's like carrying baggage and weight that he doesn't even need to. Right. And like, there's a catharsis in that moment that, Almost unrealistically, freeze him. Like he no longer. It's sure. like uh, he's found the. It's almost like the fountain of youth. Like being able to. But but there is something to that of like you know going from giving up on life and like what is even the point to like oh there is another chapter and there's another reason to live. This is perhaps the grandchild that I never thought I could get. Yeah. Uh That I can be a big part in this person's life and make a big big impact. And I, like I said, yeah, I'm I, holding
0: on to all the wrong things, right? I'm holding on to the regret of having not done something that i thought was what somebody else wanted to do when it turns out that that actually isn't at all what they wanted to do what they wanted to do is live a life with me and they did that you know right and 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 holding on to this idea of like we're going to keep this house in this place and it's always going to be pristine in my memory that's not even what she wanted she wanted a life that uh was evolving you know yeah. And and yeah. that's what that's where he ends up. So, I don't know. I, I really love it.
1: The movie looks amazing. I saw it on Disney Plus in 4K. And, you know, it looks crisp and alive and vibrant in a way that only, mm-hmm. like, these kind of 3D animations kind of can. And there's a couple things that are just, like jaw-dropping beautiful um paradise falls of course but this some little things like the way the light filters through the balloons there's some early scenes where the balloons are coming in they clip the sun and it just turns the world into a fucking kaleidoscope Uh and it's just like you just want to stand up and clap when you see a scene like that Uh, i'm super
0: impressed by textures of things like especially clothing um yeah just uh, the the amount of detail they're able to get and this is back in 2009 I, i mean don't don't forget, you know this stuff was hard. Like if you look at the original Toy Story, which wasn't that long before this, it it doesn't look as good as you remember. I guarantee yeah. it doesn't look as good as you remember.
1: No, God, no. The first Toy Story, the the leap that they, we made from the nineties to the aughts to the twenty tens, and I I don't know. Like I it, did we. I suppose we've gotten even better because if you watch like sex, love and robots or sex, death, death, sex, love, fuck robots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck, Mary kill robots. If you watch that on Netflix, like if you want to see the uh-huh. state of the art in animation right now, um, that's where it's at. But like this ain't far off, especially for the style it's going for. It's not going for that ultra realistic style. It's not trying to be mm-hmm. final fantasy spirits within. Uh, Carl is a block, a literal block of a man. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Russell is this roly poly uh, weeble wobble uh, type of a thing. The, you know, this, yeah. this emu f- flamenco bird of paradise. They, none of these things, propo- the dog, like Doug, the dog is, is this barrel with like two little tiny feet. Um, mm-hmm. It's It's got all that, that style and character uh, and caricature, but they're also like, you know, Carl's able to be a man of action when he needs to be, you know, uh, like mm-hmm. it's, and you have to have such you have to have such a rock solid understanding of anatomy to know how you can design a character like that and still have them move like a because he's not built like a human but he feels like he's got a human frame and skeleton like i just yeah. think i'm always blown away like when i see um another example is like in that the uh, spider-man into the spider-verse when you see kingpin uh and i was like well what the how how the hell do you even pull that off right and you can kind of only do it in animation no, and I love the attention to detail on some of those um,
0: models like there's no reason and I wouldn't even notice if it wasn't there. There's no reason you need to give Carl stubble throughout a progressively yeah. longer
1: stubble throughout uh-huh. this movie. But they do and it makes yeah. it feel alive. It does. Yeah, it really does. Um, I didn't look like this uh, Michael G uh, Giacchino, I think is how you G- pr- pronounce Giacchino. it. Jakinow, he uh, also almost has a Max Richter esque job at that piano. Of because I, I think this plays. If you were to roll that twelve minute prologue as a silent film with no music at all, it would still work. Mm-hmm. But holy hell, the way he masters the tempo and key and slows things down and like really gets every bit of like of the both griefness and light of the the grief and the light of this film, it is. Pretty crazy. I guess he just did uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. He's been doing some uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Damn, yeah, Rogue he's One. Gotten pretty high profile. I want to say he did Lost. Um,
0: yeah, he. Oh made, shit, he, he did, did the, the Incredibles too.
1: Yeah, yeah. he uh, he's uh, done done some. That's like that's probably the. <laughs> first guy is like I've uh, composer I've seen a while I was like I don't recognize that name but my god he's done so much stuff yeah I'm a huge fan of this film is there anything we want to talk more and like um, I imagine everyone's seen this film but should we uh, kind of tell people what it's about so we can get to the spoiler section uh, yeah totally So this is the movie about the life of uh, one Carl. He's a young explorer at heart. Uh, He meets the love of his life when he is uh, in elementary school. And uh, we get to see that whole full life lived uh, in a a 12 minute prologue that has been the subject of many a film school lesson. Uh, It's seen as like a textbook example of how you can do nonverbal storytelling and he and his wife promise that they're going to go on this adventure and see this. Uh, uh, what was it? What, what falls? I just said it. Heavenly Falls. Paradise. Amazon. Paradise Falls. They're going to visit Paradise Falls, which is in Venezuela. And they save up all their life. But things kept getting in the way. You know, car expenses, home repair. Carl breaks his leg or some shit like that. And they keep on using and life keeps on going and they get old and gray and they finally get the money to go. And Ellie gets his wife gets sick and dies. And this isn't the first 12 minutes of the film. This is not a spoiler.
0: Mm-hmm. That is
1: so you can understand that now Carl, who is being boxed out by a high rise development, he is the last man standing against this development. Um, he's going to be pushed to a breaking point, And instead of meekly uh, going, going quietly in that good night at a, a shady acres retirement home. He decides to use his lifelong experience as a balloon man. He's been a balloon vendor and he gets every helium tank. He can get a hold on and every uh, latex balloon. He shoots that shit out of his chimney and he fucking goes airship mode. Will he make it to Paradise Falls? What hitchhikers will he pick up along the way? Uh, will he find? Will he finally accomplish his, his him and his wife's dream uh, or will he get waylaid one one more time? there's a lot more to it there's there's talking dogs uh there's there's an emu family uh there's there's a there's like what must be a hundred and thirty year old man uh Mm -hmm. the whole meet that's even that's even older than cranky old carl and uh it's it's a great experience i think if you haven't seen it you should definitely see it and and uh, make sure you get the tissue box unless your heart's made of stone sure we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause And now, back with more Bald Move. Uh, okay. I want to talk about how we, we talk a lot about tight scripts. This is a fucking tight script. There's not a minute wasted. Like, things that you will almost forget about by the time they're relevant. Like, the fact that they do this, like, in 90 seconds, establish this character. Mm-hmm. Who's like this, like, cross between Charles Lindbergh and Indiana Jones Uh, Mm -hmm. who gets disgraced because he uh, brought back some exotic bird uh, skeleton and the scientists have doubted his 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 bona fides Uh the bona fides I forget I I think I'm pronouncing that wrong and uh, he swears revenge and goes off to Paradise Falls never to be seen like I remember the first time I saw that I completely forgot about that shit until you go to the dog cave and you find, and they, they do it all. Like, you know, he's doing these dog experiments in this newsreel. As soon as the dogs that talk showed up, you should have, like, put two and two together, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, like, you know, we, we've already talked about that that prologue, man. Um, yeah, I do have one other question about it. Why do you think
0: they make Carl so inept as an adventurer in that in that prologue?
1: I don't know. I always got the idea that he was younger than Ellie. Like maybe he's a year or two behind her. So she's just a little bit more developed or he, the other thing is he is, you know, on the wire, they say you're either, you're either a a stoop kid or a street kid. Like you either stay close to home or you kind of range a bit. Mm. Ellie seems like she's one step above a feral child. She might be uh, quasi homed. And they really nail that when you see the the wedding and like on Ellie's side of the family, it looks like the Beverly Hillbillies reunion. Like they're mm-hmm. rootin' tootin', just short of firing guns. And and, and I relate. I got that's one side of my family, and then the other <laughs> side is very waspy in button down oh, and gray. Yeah. And I think it's more of like, you know, Carl is the flower that finds purchase in rocky ground, and she is the Amazon sprawling vine complex that grew wild in the fertilizer of whatever she came from. I think, gotcha. I don't, I don't think you're supposed to understand that he's just inept. It's just that he was much more sheltered.
0: Sure. Sure. He's, he's less equipped uh, for these scenarios. And I think Maybe a bit more what they choose to do.
1: Right. Like she yeah. becomes like a zookeeper where she's working with the animals and the lie, the, the, Oh, is that uh, what she is? I thought she was some kind of scout master or something. Is she? I thought they both worked at the zoo. He just ran oh, the balloon stand. you're at the right. Zoo. Okay, you're because I saw she had that pith helmet and the sash with the. Yeah, I always thought she's like some kind of scout leader or something. But you're right. She's some. So they, yeah. Um, and he does so, seem like so, he's a little bit clumsier because, like, on the montage, yeah. he's the one that's constantly getting hurt. And
0: uh, true, true. You know, I love how they paint a picture of them becoming more complete humans. Not, not just like oh, they spent all this time together and got close. But, like, Carl, at the beginning of this movie, or at the beginning of this section of the movie, runs the balloon stand, but he's kind of fumbling, right? He's, like, trying to tie Mm. balloons, and he puts too many on his cart, and his cart starts to float away, and he has to jump (laughs) and grab it, and he's like, oh, shit. Uh And by the end of that montage, he does the same thing, but without looking, he just kind of leans his elbow over on the cart that's floating away, because he knows... The card's going to float away. Right. He's like created a whole life there and just simple things like that that show how comfortable they've gotten in this life and how at ease they are with each other and then their place. I, It, it kind of betrays. I guess the, the realization that Carl has near the end of this movie right up front is just not as obvious mm-hmm. as like a scrapbook full of memories that show she actually loved that life.
1: Yeah, it comes in handy later because he's like, there's many times where he at a glance, he looks at the balloons. It's like, yeah, we've got a couple more days or like he loses a balloons and he starts to get nerd because he knows what it means because he's like, you know, this master of buoyancy. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing is that it's, it's such such good writing and filmmaking because they also like there's uh, there's this all this joy of them getting married and starting their home together and getting their jobs. And then the next phase, everyone can tell you in the American dream is to start having kids and there's this 30 second downbeat where they're at, you know, uh, they're they're getting the crib and the nursery together, getting ready. But then a minor key change. They're at the hospital. Doctors explaining she's weep, you know, it's all. And, and he goes out and, and, and kind of like, you know, says, well, what other adventures can we have? And mm-hmm. they return to her scrapbook and then that they dedicate the rest of their life. It's like we're going to get to Paradise Falls. We're going to get to Paradise Falls. And when they and everything gets in the way and they finally when they finally get to a place and they're old and he's going to surprise with these. T- God, I'm going to try to get through this without weeping. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. I'm not trying to do this on a podcast on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> There's this thing where he's going up the hill and she's following and she collapses. Uh, and then because they had no children, you have this boisterous wedding where has yeah, huge family. But they contrast to the funeral where, as far as I can tell, no one shows up because they've outlived all of their friends and they don't have any children and all uh, that. And it's just like, hmm. they sell it to like, Carl is alone. He has got yeah, yeah. nothing. And then he goes back to his house, which is now surrounded by empty lots. And then the next scene is going to be surrounded by, he no longer has his gorgeous view. It's like all boxed in by this high rise shit. And yeah. again, you, they, they get to sell where, like, this cranky old man is going to violently assault somebody, and you're like, man, fuck it, hashtag free Carl. I'm going to mount up and get, like, <laughs> yeah. you, menace to society my fucking ass. Like, can we get a GoFundMe for his legal defense? You're just yeah. totally on his side, you Feels, know, because... so unjust, right? That guy wrecked him and Ellie's mailbox, man. I know. Uh, that has her handprint on it. And uh, all he
0: wanted was just them not to touch it. Yeah, and it's it's because like this is what he has left of the memory of his wife, right? The, the the memory of his wife is this house. And it's it's throughout throughout the movie, like it's the thing that he's dragging around with him, literally dragging around with him. <laughs> yes. Uh, spending all of his effort to keep it by his side. And it's only when he can let that go that eventually he seeks he sees some kind of happiness and future in his life. Yeah, and I think it's just so. I get angry at the beginning when they want to both pry that away from him, but also like just the way it happens, you know, and the reasons that it happens. It's like somebody else wants to exploit the area that he's staked Mm -hmm. out for his memory.
1: They really, those developers look like agent Smith type, you know, like they are just, uh, almost alien. Like they don't have, there's no lines on their faces. There's like, it's, Mm -hmm. they're spooky and otherworldly. Um, yeah, as blocky and, as he is, they are the opposite, right? They're stretched, like, vertically. Right, right. So then we are introduced to Russell, this wilderness explorer, and immediately you're wondering, like, why is this kid a Boy Scout? He's, like, you know, chubby. He doesn't look like he enjoys the outdoors that much, Um, but he's, like, you know, wanting to be a senior. He's wanting to be an Eagle Scout, essentially and there's again the movie's so fucking brilliant because from the very first scene they give you the hint cuz he's like I want to be a senior wilderness explorer and we'll be presented with my final patch of this thing and all the dads come that pin the patch on and you don't even really notice it it's just part of like the pattern he's doing a little kid but like he establishes his motivation that he had this very close relationship with his father there's some kind of fucking evil stepmom that's gotten in the way i don't to be honest I don't fucking understand uh, Russell's home life. Like, I don't. His, mm-hmm. It seems like he's got a mom that's still there. His dad is doing some horseshit jabroni stuff where he's got his head turned by, I guess, a new woman. And I don't know, but he's completely neglecting his son. His son mm-hmm. makes Eagle Scout. Is, did, is it possible his dad's dead? Because I'm trying to think, of like, what kind of fucking dad was this <laughs> oh, involved in his son's life just aban- to the extent that he doesn't show up at his Eagle Scout ceremony?
0: yeah. That's rough. Maybe,
1: um, because yeah, goddamn. How do you like, how do you, not ha- telling your kid that though. That's I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't crazy. know. I don't know. Um, Clearly, yeah, he's like, not his life
0: though. Yeah,
1: but but Russell is kind of like the grandkid that he probably should have had to keep him tethered to you know to the to to, to to the current life and uh he shows up i mean it's a hilarious scene where uh you know carl thinks he's got rid of him by sending him on a literal snipe hunt um mm-hmm. and uh, you know when carl that there's this gorgeous scene where the the, the guys are going to come to get him for shady acres and he's like fuck this release the balloons and it's great is this airship that he's rigged up and it's got he's got this like coffee grinding navigational system and stuff and he goes to sit and he's like I'm just gonna go to Paradise Falls and he hears a frantic knocking and we know that he's like up in the air uh-huh. I love that reveal of the kid just like desperately clinging to the porch was like can I please come in and Carl slams the door and says no for like five <laughs> seconds <laughs> such a great beat uh yeah yeah it's
0: good uh, and there's like go ahead i was gonna say their antagonism toward each other well really carl's antagonism toward russell through the entire movie is a pretty good source of comedy and and it pays off eventually
1: and I, I love how, like Russell's just a real kid, man. Like when he gets mm-hmm. invited in, he goes from like hyperventilating terror to like nosy curiosity in like 3.2 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it and, and instantly starts annoying to piss out of to the extent <laughs> where like when Russell like my, one of my another favorite part is when they're floating over and they're still not so far above land that you couldn't like maybe I could drop this kid off the top of a big apartment building. Yep. And so then they do the thing where he's lowering down on a rope <laughs> and, he dr- and i remember the night we saw that there was an audible gas because uh, holy <laughs> fuck pixar just killed this kid yep. and it's 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 just carl saying nah that's not gonna work so
0: good so yeah. good yeah it surprised it took me by surprise too i haven't seen this movie in 10 11 12 years at this point so uh-huh yeah i i forgot
1: about it i was like oh no and then he's just back And I think that's what's so brilliant about this film is that, like, everyone's allowed to be the thing that they are. Like, Uh Carl is a curmudgeonly old man. He never really changed. He changes his, like, frame and attitude, but he remains that. Uh, And all of his action and stuff is within that frame of what he can do as an old man. Like, even when he gets Mm -hmm. up to, like, the Bruce Willis diehard shit. <laughs> his back's going to seize up and he's gonna have to spit his dentures out to, to get the upper hand. But yeah, um, Russell's scene. allowed to be a kid. Like Russell is not the kid that's going to charge off and save the day. He's got a good art. He's going to try. He's going to get captured. Mm-hmm. I like how the dogs are just dogs. That's some sure. of the best stuff in the film is like, yeah, they're maybe slightly more intelligent and they've got a voice coder so you can understand them. But like, the fact that eat like you know when when one thing when doug is like in the middle of a sentence he's like squirrel but like when the alpha uh, gamma and beta like the menacing guard like you know on task they're they do the same <laughs> shit uh-huh. and that scene of months doing the tour and like he's got all these downton abbey butler dogs but like when they're pouring champagne they're just slapping champagne everywhere and just dropping mm-hmm. the thing in the bottle and I also love the moment where months decides that Carl and Russell are okay. And the dogs that were previously menacing are like, hooray. And they're just, there's now they're acting like dogs. They're just like really excited. They want pets and they want love. I just, I think that's great because other movies would take a care, take characters arc where like, you know, Doug becomes unrealistically, I don't know, smart or whatever. Uh, but he's just a dog, and Carl's just an old man, and Russell is a little boy, and they don't. Uh, they they have an arc that they go through, but they don't change fundamentally who they are. You know? Oh, no, no, it's, it's an emotional arc, but
0: they're still the ages and, and in the settings that they are. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, I have questions about the dogs, and and I don't know. I, I look at this movie and I go, okay, what what was the time period for both animation and comedy and uh, our society and I I don't know I look at a couple of things and I kind of go hmm that's interesting like early on in the movie where you know you've got young Carl and young Ellie and she's talking about like what an exotic place South America is like oh I it's, want to go to South America it's like America but South it, yeah. is that cutting edge comedy in 2009 I feel like it is and it's so totally played out now really in what way I, I just don't think you make that joke and anybody laughs in 2022 mm. but in 2009 that felt fresh and original okay um, I, I don't know That that's one example another example of a thing that I think has aged out Um, the way they portray the dogs uh, and Hmm. specifically like which breeds of dogs they choose to be evil. It's Rottweilers. It's bulldogs. It's uh, Doberman's all of it. it, It's stereotyping dogs, right? Um, (laughs) It it's surprising to me that that is. A Are you thing asking for do.
1: racial justice for Dobermans? I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to calibrate how I much mean, of my of my will lovers, I want to put into this cause. Dog lovers certainly do.
0: Uh, I have a friend who owns two pit bulls and would probably be pretty pissed pitbulls, off if you were yeah. like the velvet oh, fuck hippos. Pitbulls. They're they're violent, evil dogs that just want to yeah. attack humans. They should all be put down. I, I feel like that would be bad, and and they do that here. They they say like these dogs are all the bad dogs right
1: i well so they're definitely got lassie
0: the fucking golden retriever the only one with a tail let's let's put that out there too uh as (laughs) he's got tail
1: privilege yeah he's got tail privilege yeah uh, I mean, these this, so these dogs are cops for sure. I don't know if they're evil because like when Munts calls and says these guys are friends, they're like, it's not like they're still like, oh, fuck these guys. And like, they're independently evil. They're just doing their jobs, man. Uh- <laughs> you can't use that as a defense. No, no, but like my it's, job. What I think for dogs, we can. I actually think it's okay. okay to be a little racist towards dogs. You know, I think it's fine. Like I'm all not. Right. I'm, I'm not one that gets all up in arms about that kind of stuff. But I'm not you know, either. But I just noticed it, and it seemed uh-huh. to stick out in this movie. Yeah. Um, this. So I guess this is based on a real place called uh, Tapu, that is in Venezuela, these like giant mountains with their tops ground off like mesas. Um, and like uh, there's actually, uh, if you go into Wikipedia and check this out, there's one uh, devil's Canyon that looks almost exactly. In fact, uh, the, uh, the, the, the film director, uh, this doctor guy, he said that they went and toured this place for about a week to get like pictures and references and all that kind of stuff. It's like, we had to actually scale back the craziness of the landscape, because I don't think people would buy it as a real place on earth. If we actually just animated what we saw there. Damn. So like all of the crazy, like these met, like uh, all the different fractured uh, rockscapes and these like st- stunning cliffs. And cause I always thought it's like, well, how the hell do you get a waterfall at the top of one of those things? But I'm looking at one right now in Wikipedia where there's sure enough, there's a waterfall jutting out of this giant, you know, hmm. sawed off mountain. So I, uh, it's the, You get out of the gray city um, because like there's not a lot of color like there's there's a lot of the flashback stuff is kind of almost it's not but it's it's got this kind of a sepia like age look to it and then in the city like Carl is very old and gray and washed out and the city is very steel grays and blues and muted colors and concrete but then once those fucking balloons pop out. Uh, and you get down to Paradise Falls, it's the exact opposite. Everything is just so much color and so much uh, just vast scale and sweeping vistas and huge mammoth caves that can hold an airship. Um, Mm -hmm. Man, there's so much imagination and just the the set design and the geography. We'll be right back with more Bald Move
0: after this brief pause.
1: (laughs) And now, back with more Bald Move. I want to talk about some more dog because like I, I thought the dog humor is so well done. Um, I like how they um, do the thing early on where Alpha's voice modulator gets damaged in his initial attempt to apprehend the, the, uh, the, the, Kevin. And he got, he has this, you know, he's given this like arch evil dialogue, but it's in this chipmunk voice. Uh, it's a small mm-hmm. thing, but it's hilarious. Yeah, I I love how the dogs are continually contextualizing things through their own experiences. Like uh, Russell is wearing a uniform, so they refer to him as the tiny mailman. Mm-hmm. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I love that they're punished by being put in a cone of shame, which mm-hmm. is a veterinarian collar. Uh, and how much they don't they don't like it's like so ingrained that like uh, accidentally. Alpha gets put in a cone of Shane at the end, shame at the end, and it's so debilitating to him that he will now respond to Doug as his as his leader. It's uh-huh. just, I don't know. I fucking love dogs. And this is a great boy, that's another thing that whipped my ass. I now that I'm remembering, because my dog Obi, who was this great uh, blonde lab mix, died like six months before that I saw it. And when like mm. dumbass Doug showed up, he's essentially just like uh, you know, my dog Obi blown up, you know, a little bit fatter. Oh, we mm-hmm. got pretty fat in his old age, but he's even fatter still. And I'm just like, oh my god, look at this guy! <laughs> um, he's such sure. a good. Oh god, when Carl tells Doug he's a bad dog, mm-hmm. it's so <laughs> sad. And the movie's like, it's like I then I had to- tears of joy when uh, later you know Doug does good and like uh, Carl's got the the monkey of this 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 house and these expectations off his back, and Doug, Doug's like. You know, are you, you can I come in? And Carl's like, well, sure you can. You're my dog. You're my dog, aren't you? And I'm your master. And I'm just like, oh, my God. It's so ah, I'm so happy. So happy for Doug. Well, if you want more of those characters, there's actually a series of animated shorts
0: based on Carl and Doug called Doug Days uh, over on Disney Plus. It's interesting. I watched the first episode of it. It's called Squirrel. It's fun. It's fun.
1: So there's there's also a prequel, like a six or seven minute prequel short about Doug's experience before, right before we meet him in the movie, where uh, apparently the the evil uh, cop dog pack is giving him like demeaning busy work instead of like you know because mm-hmm. he can't contribute to the real missions. I, I don't know why they have Doug because you're right. All the other dogs are kind of like these big working security breeds. They're German shepherds, they're pit bulls, they're rock Rottweilers, they're Doberman Pinschers, and then you've got just Doug. Mm-hmm. Like, did they make Doug as? <laughs> did Munce make Doug as like a joke? I, it's a good question. Why does he have Doug around? Mm. I don't know. Uh, I want to talk about Christopher Plummer as Munce because he works so good as this kind of like really friendly guy who's just like tickled pink that a guy like uh, Carl, who's a big fan of his, has come visited after all these years and. You know, he's doing all the stuff, but the way he's and he's so affable, but he also can turn menacing on a dime. Yeah. yeah the um, turn where he shows them the, the helmets and the goggles and is like
0: recounting all the adventurers who have, it's implied he murdered.
1: He murdered these people, Jim. Yeah. As he knocks their helmet off and you hear their head thunk on the floor, like a sound design on that primo, by the way. Yeah. That's and quite the, when the, the heel turn there. Oh, and this son of a bitch tries to set Carl's house on fire, and Ugh. it's the one thing because, like, throughout the film, like Ellie's picture almost falls and gets smashed, mm-hmm. and Carl's always there to stop it. But this is the time where it actually happens. It falls, you hear it break, and it's like there is nothing that can be done to this old man that will make me feel sorry for him for the rest of this movie. <laughs> and sure. uh, you know, they do um, they, they kill him, uh, right. They kill him. They do kill him, but they do it in a Disney way. The, the classic Disney death, uh, villain death, where it's a it's a fall and it's a fall mm-hmm. precipitated by their, the, the bad guy's inability to call it quits. Yeah. Like if he just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna let this old man and, and boy go. He would still be alive on his airship hunting Kevin's. But mm-hmm. no, this fucker's got to try to make this jump from, you know, Carl's house and it, and, and it kills him. Yep. So it's like it's the perfect death, like his own. He, he he died by his own hubris and also at the ripe old age of like 135. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget. I mean, how old is, he was how old old is this guy? Carl was a kid. I'm not sure if he's old, but he's at least 40.
0: our age, right? Yeah. Yeah. got to be at least 40. So if Carl is aged 60 years
1: in that time, then yeah. this man's 100 at least. Guy, yeah. If, he, if so, yeah, if, if Carl's age 60. So, so let's say the age gap is 30 years. And you know Carl okay. was ten when he's watching his news reels, and let's say he's seventy at the beginning of or at the at the beginning of his adventure. That's got to make him a hundred and ten years old. No, hundred at least a hundred <laughs> years old. At
0: least a hundred years old. Yeah, I
1: wonder if spry. we're supposed to believe that he's got some kind of advanced medical technology that's keeping him. Maybe because he is spry. Like he goes toe to toe with a man thirty years younger.
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: no, he's wielding a sword. It's it's yeah. Um, but yeah, they so they, they he gets he gets Kevin and um, you know, this is the this is the Nadir of Carl. he he th- drives away Russell, he calls he calls uh, Doug a bad a bad dog and uh, he goes to set now he's he's done one good thing, which is getting his house to where Ellie wanted and he's he's kind of restoring his. House. I love the design of their chairs, by the way. They're just, you know, like Carl's is square and blocky and Ellie's is kind of like curvy and, and tall and light. And because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you can't have a you can't have a, you can't have a, I guess Ellie's not a mom, but you can't have a a, a mom age woman in Pixar without having her a, a just just a fucking ridiculous badonka. Sure. Um But I, the, like when he goes and he finally looks at this memory, this memories, and I think he's going to he, he's going to add the he's like, I finally got us to this house. And he thought this book was empty this whole time because they mm-hmm. never got to go on the adventure she wanted to go. But he finds he keeps turning page after page of like all the stuff we saw. God, again, gonna try to keep this gonna try to keep together. <laughs> try to keep together, Aaron. Uh he turn page after page of like this this amazing life that they built together, despite uh-huh. the setbacks, despite and not just the, the financial ones. Like they clearly wanted to have kids and they couldn't. Um Yeah, and, and it's clear
0: in this sequence that this was her dream right this became her dream it, it went from i want to get to paradise falls and have an adventure to i'm having an adventure with this man in this life
1: yeah and that last page she scrawled and clearly the, and i i i got the the idea that she fin- maybe finished this book in the hospital like when she knew things were yeah. you know going to go bad and she wanted him to and she wrote that like you know thanks for the adventure I hope you have, you know, a, a new one or whatever. I hope you get to uh-huh. start your new one. God damn, Yeah. Uh, and it's sad, you know, the fact
0: he didn't realize this about her and he just was focused on his own failure to give her a life that he thought she wanted when in actuality he had given her a life she did want. Um, it's it's just sad that it took him so long to realize it. Right. Because, yeah. you know, it made him enjoy the life that they had together a little bit less i'm sure he enjoyed it but in the back of his mind it was always yeah like it was a relative thing
1: that she wants
0: especially since they came
1: if they made it clear that he kept on like this was a promise that he he felt like this is a promise that he let his wife down
0: yes you know crossed
1: his heart and swore multiple times and he he didn't like it happen and and for her perspective she had he'd given her everything that he possibly could Mm -hmm. have Um, And this frees him. This literally lightens his being. From this point on, he was no longer going to need his cane except for to kick Mm -hmm. ass. Uh, And the house transforms with him. He has this idea of because the house is like sagging and like barely able to get off the ground. Now he's like getting rid of all the burdens. Like he's putting out all the furniture and all. And now when the ship flies, it's transformed. It's like nimble and fast and it can turn on the dime. And almost like, you know, again, it's chasing a dirigible. It doesn't have to be. an f-22 right. raptor but like it's it's invigorated and 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 uh you know it's it's stripped down like he doesn't have his complicated turning man he's just got like two hands on the the reins mm-hmm. and i think it's great like i said the it's a little bit crazy that he is that spry you know like this this um sure the the, the love and affection he's got for this boy and kevin and all that and doug has but but it works somatically so well, and mm-hmm. they never go too crazy because, again, he gets up to some Bruce Willis diehard shit, but his body is constantly betraying him. That fight sure. scene between the two old guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just so badass in this elderly way and still extremely funny, too. Yeah, absolutely. And the final these are just dogs moment where, you know, in the middle, like, you know, um, they're in this tense situation. There's all these guard dogs around and they're on this the, in the cat, you know, this crosswalks. And he's like, Doug, what are we going to do? And he goes and Doug's pulled one of his tennis balls off his rocker, his, his walker to start chewing on it. And that. All oh, right. These are just dogs. So he just mm-hmm. jumps down in the middle of these fierce dogs. Is like, who wants the ball and throws it and they all yeah. go chasing it. It's so fucking good. It's yeah, um, great. My favorite moment, I think, in the
0: entire movie is when Russell is hanging from the garden hose, which, boy, that garden hose does. There are two pieces of this house which are built like fucking tanks. It's the connection point for the balloons, which is his fireplace grate. Yeah, that that thing's a
1: load-bearing member, man. (laughs)
0: It really is. I don't know how they did that. Welded it right to the steel beams. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other one is this garden hose reel that's just kind of screwed into the side of his house, they hang from that, they swing from that, they drag the house around by that. When Russell's hanging from that and the house is going up next to the the Zeppelin Mm -hmm. and he hits the windshield and just for like 30 seconds... (laughs) squeaks his <laughs> body across the windshield super slowly as Charles Muntz is watching.
1: Especially since he just says, where are you? And then, yeah, and he's just, it's so funny. The it's pacing so funny. there is
0: so good because it's it's frantic and it's chaotic. Mm-hmm. And then they just they slow it down
1: for that moment to just have that laugh and it's so good. Do you know one thing I've, I, I've watched this, this is probably the 13th time I've seen this movie. When the dogs at the inn crash uh, into each other, it's exactly the same moves that happens in the Death Star Trench with Darth Vader and his escort.
0: They, I the definitely exact, recognize they were
1: doing Star Wars homage because they're calling it like was, Grey Leader and
0: Red yeah, 3 or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: and the, that that's just like it's like the the exact moves that tie for the first one that kind of flinches over and yeah. hits the other one and then nice. they tremble and then this. it's exactly and it's like, oh, such a great, such a great Star Wars homage. Um, And they call it out later. I
0: think one of the marquees on a, on a on a theater says star
1: Wars at some probably point? I didn't see that one, but yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, there's t- so many goddamn homages. I mean, clearly the Pixar crew loves star Wars and you know, who doesn't oh, have that of that generation. But, uh, there's also like a really, like I, I like the, the sadness, they but, but optimism, they hit where he's got this airship, but he's also gonna lose his house, and it just goes off, and he kind of has to say goodbye to his wife one last time. Mm-hmm. And I think they they reveal this at the very end of the movie that that house left its own devices landed exactly at the spot that Carl and Ellie dreamed of, which yes. is the final thing that got me at the end of this goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's just perfect, right? It is, and uh, they got this this the coda of uh, you know. Of course, he's going. He assisted the elderly, Mm -hmm. so Russell got his badge, and there's panic of like, oh my god, where's my dad? Where's my dad? Uh, Damn these wilderness explorers for not letting his mom. Do the dad duty on stage? Like they're gonna, they're gonna do like, the, like, is this this right. kid is a fatherless boy? Is there a father in the house? Is there, <laughs> is there a single, is there a surrogate father? Maybe even. Yes. Can we get any yes. man on this stage, please? Can, can, can we have a person with testicles pin this to the? But the, the mother's <laughs> sitting right there clapping, but she is of no right. Um, but Carl's there to save the day and not only gives him his badge, but gives him the Ellie badge, which is the grape soda thing that she pinned on mm-hmm. his chest back when they met his children.
0: Ah, the only thing I'm not sure of, does he know the significance of that thing at all? Cause he seems happy to get it. it and it could <laughs> I, just be like, I'm happy that this old man who I've come to love over the course of our adventure is pinning something on me, but it means something very specific to Carl, but not to Russell.
1: I, yeah because he does he really talk about ellie that much i don't think
0: so i, I don't think russell has any clue who ellie is
1: mm, yeah so
0: he couldn't know the significance of this it's the only like minor loose end flaw i see in this entire movie yeah but like in that moment it's not ness it's, it's about both of them right and i'm, I'm okay right. with it like giving this pin to him says it's, it's the final nail in the regret coffin I guess. For and that's, Carl.
1: that's, I think an authentic kid experience too. Cause I don't know how much stuff that my grandparents gave to me that I didn't recognize the value of as a kid and promptly lost. Sure. You know, my, I remember my <laughs> yeah. granddad, Kirchhoff giving me this like 100 year old folding pocket knife when I was eight. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so fucking cool. I'm going to keep this forever. And one week later, I lost it in the woods, God damn. you know, because because yeah. like, you know, you put it, I put it in my side backpack pocket because that's where I'm going to need it. Right. And then, of course, I run and tumble and fall off shit and like, oh, my God. So like it also is like felt very true to life that like he's getting this, you know, high honor medal and he'll probably he'll probably lose it next week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else we want to talk about? I mean, I geez, mean, the this is for them. They're just going to
0: go explore <sighs> the world in an airship together, right?
1: I guess like I, you know, that's the that's the bittersweet nature of the movie, because this is a relationship that's going to end sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I don't know if he's got months or years, but it's not going to be decades that he's got left And And yeah. uh, but but he's probably I, mean, I mean, the best case scenario is I guess he he gets him through high school. So he's got the surrogate father, grandfather figure. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, it's the other thing is like, I think the movie tells you that Russell will be okay because Carl was, Carl didn't have the perfect life. Everything didn't get nicely arranged for him. He had a lot of loss and disappointment, bitterness, but,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, he's follows the dream. He, he followed the dreams when he could, you know? And I guess that's another story is that like, uh, is there ever an appropriate time to give up on a dream?
0: I, probably
1: because ma- I think some dreams yeah. are dumped, are not as well thought out and attainable as others. Um, some may be not, you know, but like, yeah, like I, I. but on the other hand, like, I don't know if you want to do something like don't let setbacks and, you know, this, that, and the other. It's like, you might have to put it on the shelf. You might have to start over and from and start saving from scratch. But, it's the stuff that keeps you going. And like, I feel like this movie is illustrates that well because Carl, once he was deprived of his dream, had no life left to him. And Mm -hmm. once he had another thing, once he, you know, was animated either to get his house at paradise falls or later to, you know, be the man in Russell's life that he needs at the time. Like suddenly he's alive and he's got color and he's, you know, can, can get, can get up in the morning without every one of his bones breaking. And And I think think that's a good, that's a good story to tell people. And by the same token, if there are legitimate reasons,
0: you can't pursue a dream. Don't let that get so get you so down that you lose track of the things in your life that are positive. Right.
1: Yeah. Your wins and adventures that you do have. Yeah. Because that's pretty easy to do. If you set your sights
0: on something and you can't achieve it for one reason or another, getting down on it on yourself about that is not productive. Certainly. What else do we have to say about up? Uh, I think that's about it. I'm I'm I guess Pixar as a company, I guess is an interesting topic to touch on briefly. Like they started off with such a bang, right? Like every single movie they released was hot. Um and and it it tore you up, right? Like this movie does emotionally. I mean, Toy Story, boy, you can't even forget that. Um, And they've done it four times now with Toy Story, many times with WALL-E and Ratatouille and all these high profile movies that uh, people love. I I haven't seen anything come out of them lately that I've been super interested in, but I know I'm kind of an exception. I don't watch a lot of animated movies. And they're not uh, they, a they to be of to be. this caliber. You I, know? I agree. You have a lot I, more I studios that's, doing them. You have the Dreamworks yeah. and the Disneys all doing this 3D style that Pixar kind of pioneered. Yeah. Um so they feel less special. I, I, I don't know if there's too many Pixar movies coming out, but there are too many 3D animated movies um to make them all feel special.
1: I will say they're still hit banging on it, because like I, I'm not sure because the line between Disney and Pixar is really blurred for me now. But like uh Encanto just came out a couple years ago and that Disney. thing was yeah. extremely Extremely good and and de- delivered emotional wallop. Coco, Disney. I think is a Disney, is that Disney <laughs> yeah, too. Coco is another Disney, one yeah. that just fucking broke. So like, um, I haven't seen Soul or Inside Out. Okay. and i've heard they're both excellent it's just i have you know for whatever reason we didn't uh, it's it's we don't usually do animated stuff for first run movies and a lot of the movies i see are the ones we do to first run for so i mm-hmm. need to sit down my disney plus account now that i'm probably getting into on andor uh i'll be spending more time on that platform and maybe i can pick up some of these uh, movies to check out cuz they're they're not ever too long i mean they're like an hour and a half. this oh, yeah. was like what 96 minutes
0: they've got to be designed um, for kids attention spans so
1: yeah although like i said i don't know i I think the i wonder i wonder how squirmy kids get for the first 15 minutes of this film you know once once the balloons come out but yeah yeah yeah. uh but once the balloons come out and the dogs start talking i think there's there's a lot for everyone to enjoy but uh, that first 12 minutes is kind of for the adults um yeah, I wonder how traumatic it is to see your mom and dad bawling at a movie that you're like, what's going on? I don't understand. <laughs> sure. So, uh, anyway, that's all I got to say about Up. How about you, Jim? Yeah, same here. So, Up was a movie that was uh, we, we let our executive producers each week. We submit them a slate of three candidate movies. This is the one that's selected uh, to win. Next week, we're going to be considering the movie The Game. Uh, if you'd like to help us select which prestige or if we ever get uh, some prestige coming out, maybe we'll get around to selecting some pulp movies. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to help us select our slate of movies each week, uh, executive produ- that's an executive producer role on our Patreon. You can find out more about joining that at support.baldmove.com. We appreciate everyone that does support us uh, until we're out with the game. We'll be back with the game. Uh, and maybe I'll figure out how to fucking conclude on these podcasts then too. But until that time, I remain your shitty uh, conclusion podcast host, Aaron.
0: And I'm Jim, who does not have, next time. have
1: the burden of doing podcast <laughs> outros.
0: See ya.